0: for leading us in a wonderful time of worship this morning. And we are here. We are continuing our sermon series titled Spirit-Filled Relationships. And I hope you came prepared with a notepad and a pen because we are going to dive right into the topic of husbands and wives this morning. And so I hope you're ready. Title of my message is Wives and Husbands. There it is. And so we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 5 in just a moment. But if you're here last week, you know that we gave a congregational challenge, and I don't know if all of y'all were here, but we challenged our congregation that over the next five weeks, we are going to be memorizing some scripture together. And so, we started last week this sermon series preaching from Ephesians 5.15 through Ephesians 5.21, and so that's the text that our goal is to memorize together, and so, here it is, it's time to perform, ladies and gentlemen. It is time to see who has done their homework. I told First Service this. It's always funny to look out and see, because you guys obviously can tell if I did my homework, but I don't know if you know this. I can see you too, and so I know very well who did their homework and who did not do their homework, and so let's see what you guys got. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 and 16. As a reminder, we're doing this, this scripture memory out of the Christian Standard Bible, the CSB for this particular memorization. And so here's what it says. It says, I see some of you cheating. It says, pay careful attention to how you walk, not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of our time because the days are evil. Now, I saw some of you, some of you, you got some homework to do, all right? And so let's get into it this week. Here it is. Next week, next Sunday, we do the same thing. We're going to memorize Ephesians 5, verse 15 through 17 next week. So a little catch up, but I know you can do it. Spur on, hide God's Word in your heart. Now, before we dive into our topic of marriage today, I realize that there are some of you in the room this morning and you're not married, right? Maybe you're not even in a relationship at all. And so I, I want to make sure you're aware of this. This sermon is for you as well. And for he, here's why. Two real reasons I believe this sermon is also for you. Number one, If you're single and maybe you're looking to be married one day, then this message will help you know what to look for in your future spouse. Very clear with that. But secondly, regardless of your marital status, here's what I want you to see. We're going to talk about this throughout the morning. I want you to understand that marriage is a picture of Jesus's relationship with the church. And so the truths that we're about to unpack this morning really show us how we should love and follow our Lord Jesus Christ. And so what I want to do this morning is I want to take this challenging passage, Ephesians 5, to 33, and I want to hit it right between the eyes. I don't want to gloss over it. I don't want to skip around or kind of dance around the subject altogether. I want to come at this full steam ahead, and I want us to do this. In order for us to take this full steam ahead, all of us have to do this. We have to take what the world says about what a marriage should look like, and we have to put that to a side for a second. And what I want all of us to do is commit over the next 30 to 40 minutes to really commit to say, let's see what God has to say about this covenant of marriage. Amen? And so if you have your Bibles, hope you do, we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 5, and we're going to be considering the the, the last part of the chapter, verse 22 to 24. We're going to divide our text this morning into three different parts. And so we're going to start, just as Paul started, With the ladies. Let's see what it says. Ephesians chapter 5, starting in verse 22, it says, Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord, because the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church. He is the Savior of the body. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives are to submit to their husbands in everything. Point number one this morning, if you're taking notes, is this. Wives, We need to submit to our own husbands. I shouldn't say we. You need to submit to your own husbands. Now, before we get too far, let me say this. These verses, and you guys know this, these verses have been terribly misinterpreted throughout the years. They just have been. They've caused many women to go through a lot of pain, a lot of suffering, and a lot of abuse. And so, If you're here this morning and maybe you've been in a relationship or you're in a relationship right now where you're experiencing pain, abuse, or suffering in any way, then I just want to say to you from the onset, I'm sorry that you've had to go through that kind of relationship. These verses were not put into the scriptures to cause any sort of pain, suffering, or harm to anyone at all. But instead, the reason the Bible talks about submission, whenever it talks about submission, it's always talking about a willful and joyful submission as one person submits to another. Guys, here's a newsflash for you. The Bible never tells you to tell your wife to submit to you ever, right? The Bible doesn't say that. Rather, what submission is, is submission is always done out of joy as a woman willingly submits to her own husband. I read an interesting article this week by a guy by the name of John Piper. You might have heard of him. He's a pretty famous uh, author. And he talks about the idea of submission. And one of the things that he really focused on is what submission is actually not. And so here's what I want to do. Before we dive into this topic of submission and what it looks like to submit to your husbands, I want to talk to all the ladies for a second and make sure we understand what submission is not. All right, I'm going to give you three things. You could take notes and write these down. Here's the first one. Submission, it does not mean inequality. All right, submission does not mean inequality. In other words, Submission does not mean that the wife is unequal with the husband. And in my opinion, when I think about these verses, this is one of, if not the biggest misunderstanding of them all. See, people in our culture today, they read these verses and they believe that the roles and the functions given from the Bible in regards to the husbands and wife, they, what they do is they determine a quali- or inequality. They say that one is greater than the other based on the roles given. Church, that could not be more inaccurate. Okay. Husbands and wives, you are equal. Write this down. Husbands and wives, they are equal in value. They are different in function. Okay. They're equal in value, different in the way they function. Let me illustrate. Do you remember the story of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane? You guys remember that story right before Jesus was betrayed by Judas? Do you remember when he went to his father and began to pray? You guys know this, right? Garden of Gethsemane, Matthew 26. Look at how this this prayer flows out of Jesus' mouth, and and watch what you see Jesus do in this verse. It says, and going a little further, Jesus, he falls down on his face. So get you this image in your mind. He falls down on his knees, on his face, and he's going to say this prayer to the Father in heaven. He's going to say, my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, what does it say? Not as I will, but as you will. So Jesus literally falls on his face, and essentially he's saying, not my will, Father, but I want your will to be done. Church, at that moment, let me ask you a question. We see Jesus submitting himself to the Father. Does that mean then that Jesus was less than the Father? Absolutely not. Good. Shake your hands. No. Absolutely not. Why? Because what John 1 says, right? If you remember John 1, 1, it tells us that Jesus is God. It says, in the beginning was the word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. And then in John 1:14 it says, And the Word become flesh, right? And so essentially what we're looking at here is Jesus is, like I've told you in the past, Jesus is God in the bod, right? He's God with human flesh on. And so submission does not necessarily equal inequality, right? We are all equal. You and I, husbands and wives, all of us in the room together today, If you're a follower of Jesus, you are an equal person. We are all, as I like to say, one in Christ. Look at what Paul writes in Galatians chapter 3, verse 28. He says this, there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. Understand, these are big differences in that culture back in the day, okay? Here's what he says, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Husbands, wives, this morning, you are equal. You are equal in value. You are different in the way you function. Number two, submission does not mean putting your husband above Christ. This is key. Submission does not mean that you put your husband above Christ. Story in Acts chapter 5, we find Peter and the other apostles, and what they're doing is they're out sharing the gospel as the Lord had commanded them to do. Remember in Matthew, Matthew chapter 28, the Great Commission, he says, go into all the world and preach the gospel. And so Peter and his boys, if you will, they're out preaching the gospel in Acts chapter 5. And while they were out, all of a sudden, this Jewish, these Jewish authorities show up. And look at what they say to him in Acts chapter 5. It says, after they brought them in, they had them stand before the Sanhedrin. And the high priest looked at these young men, and here's what they said. They said, didn't we strictly order you not to teach in this name? Look, you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Pause for a moment and think about this. In that moment, you have Peter and his his boys, if you will, the other apostles. They're going around preaching the gospel. The authorities bring them in. They say, you need to stop. And so at that moment, Peter and his guys have two options, don't they? They can either, A, they can choose to listen to the authorities and say, I'm no longer going to preach the gospel. Or number two, they can look at the authorities and say, well, you know what? The Lord commanded this, and so we need to preach the gospel. What do you think they did? I think they preached the gospel. Look at verse 29. Peter and the apostles replied. This is so key. This is so huge. We must obey who? God. We must obey God rather than people. What Peter is saying is we don't have a choice. He's saying, look. There is no option here. We have to obey God. Wives, I pray that you are never put into a situation where your husband is asking you to do something that is different from what the Bible says you can do. In other words, I'm hoping you've never been put and never will be put into a situation where your husband is asking you to sin. But if you are, listen to me, your first obligation is not to your husband. Your first obligation is to the Lord. And so whenever you have to choose between listening to your husband and listening to the Lord, you must always choose Jesus. You must obey God rather than people. Point number three, third thing that submission is not. Submission does not mean that you do not try to influence your husband. Does not mean that you should not try to influence your husband. Now, I don't know all of your situations in the room today, but ladies, if you've got a husband who doesn't know Jesus, if you've got a husband who maybe doesn't want anything to do with the church, that doesn't mean that you should just let him go and not seek to win him for Christ, right? And I know that's a difficult situation. I don't know all of your situations in the room today, but I want you to look at what Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 3. He says, wives, in the same way, so it's going to look familiar, in the same way, submit yourselves to your own husbands. Looks familiar, Right? So that, and this is why, right? If you have a non-believing husband, this is why you continue to submit to your husband. If any of them do not believe the word, if they don't believe the Bible, they may be won over without words or by the behavior of their wives when they see the purity and reverence of your life. Church, here's the reality. Your goal as a follower of Jesus Your husband is not interested in the church. Your goal is to now try to win him to Christ, right? That is your goal. Your life should be devoted to trying to change your husband from an unbeliever into a believer. And in this case, here's what submission means to you. Submission means that you try to use your influence to push your husband towards a relationship with Christ, right? That's what you use your influence for. Now, those are three examples of what submission is not. All right. Let's turn the table a little bit. What is submission? Let's come back to our text for a minute. Here's what submission is what Paul says. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord, because the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of the body. Verse 24. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives are to submit to their husbands in everything. The command to submit is a difficult one. It's difficult in our day and age. And so because it's difficult, I think God recognizes this. And so God gives us a clear reason why we are to submit. And you see that in verse 22. We're to submit unto the Lord or as to the Lord. You see, when a wife submits herself joyfully to her husband, this might surprise you, but she's actually serving the Lord. Isn't that interesting? So ladies, get this. As you serve your husband. As you come alongside your husband, as you take care of your husband and you submit to his leadership, you're actually being obedient to Christ. Can write it down. Wives are to submit out of obedience for Christ. I want you to notice what the text doesn't say. The text doesn't say that women are to submit in general, right? They don't submit to every man. But what the text says is the text actually says a woman only submits to what? Her own husband. And so ladies, you don't submit to any guy out there. Girlfriends in the room, if you're dating someone right now, you do not submit yourself to your boyfriend. You know why? Because you belong to your daddy, right? My two-year-old, wherever she is right now, I hope she hears that, right? She belongs to me, right? And so that's the reality. So ladies, you submit yourself to your own husband. That is it. That is the person outside of Christ. That is the only person you submit to. Now, I want to point out something that surprised me in the text this week, and it might surprise you. I've been telling people about it all week, and it comes from verse 22. In verse 22, you might be surprised to know that the word submit in the original language is actually not there, right? Isn't that interesting? It blew my mind this way. Like I said, I've been telling everybody, the word submit is actually there. So what I've done is I've written it out from Greek to English, what the original language says in, in, in verse 22, and really, you have to read verse 21 to understand verse 22. Here's what it says in the original language. Check this out. It says, wives to or excuse me submit to one another out of reverence for Christ wives to your own husbands as to the Lord submit's so not there but check this it's implied you see how it's implied it's implied you see what's happening here is verse 22 doesn't operate without verse 21 Verse 21 from last week, it's actually informing what we are to do in verse 22. And so here's what Paul's saying. He's saying, wives, you are to submit to your own husbands as all of us submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And so here it is, ladies. God is not asking you to do anything that he's not asking the guys to do, right? We are all called to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Why? Because ultimately, it's not the husband who's the head of the home. Who's the head of the home? Christ. It's Christ that is ahead of the home, and so Christ, we all, as, as, as a couple, as a husband and wife, we are all, first and foremost, submitting to him. Now, let's dig a little deeper into this. What does a wife's submission actually look like in the home? You might be asking that question. What does it look like? In the same article I referenced earlier, I ran across a quote by a guy named John Piper, right, where he defines submission in the home, and I liked it so much that I stole it, okay? I just thought it was a good quote. So here's what he says. He says, submission, two parts to this. Submission is the defined calling of a wife to honor and affirm her husband's leadership and so help to carry it through according to her gifts. And so the two parts of this are pretty clear. First of all, honor and affirm your husband's leadership. That's what it looks like in the home. Second part, help him lead well by using your spiritual gifts. Now, with that in mind, Wives, ask yourself the application question. Are you honoring and affirming your husband's leadership in the home on a regular basis? Just ask yourself the question. Are you doing that? Secondly, are you using your spiritual gifts that God has given you as a follower of Jesus? Are you using those to come alongside your husband and help him lead the family well? Just ask yourself the questions. Listen, ladies, your husband has a calling on his life to be the head of the household. And so it's important for you to come alongside him and be the helper that he needs. In fact, if you look at the scriptures, scripture emphasizes the fact that woman, the woman was created out of the man. And one of the reasons that she was created was to be her husband's helper. Look at what it says in Genesis chapter 2. It says, Then the Lord said, It is not good, emphasis on that, for the man to be alone. I will make him a helper who is, I love the language, who is just right, right? A helper who is just right. Now, I normally don't, when I study, find myself chuckling at a text. But this week, for whatever reason, I started reading this verse and carrying through to to chapter 3 of Genesis, and I started laughing. And I want to tell you kind of why I was laughing. Maybe it was just a moment, but I started giggling a little bit to myself, and here's the reality. God created Adam before anything went wrong, right? Think about this. When did the fall happen? The fall happened in Genesis chapter 3, okay? And so the fall happens in Genesis chapter 3, and so the reality was Adam was living in this perfect world, and yet what did God do? I picture God sitting back in a rocking chair looking at Adam and saying, this is not good. (laughs) I mean, literally, that's what the text says. It is not good. He looks at Adam, and he literally says, That guy's not going to make it by himself, right? He needs a helper, and he needs him bad. And can I be honest, guys? Is it not true? Do we not need our wives to help? Like I told Amber, she was sitting in the front row first service. I said, Amber, I need your help. And so, guys, here's the reality. Look at your wives right now. Here's what I want you to say. I want you to say, honey, I need your help. Do it right now. Some of you aren't doing it. I need you to do it. Honey, I need your help because here it is. We need our wives God gave us a wife to be our helper. Listen, when God gave you a wife, gentlemen, hear me. When God gave you a wife, he gave you a gift. He gave you a gift. Cherish your gift, right? Cherish your gift, which leads me to the second point this morning. That's that the husbands need to love their wives. Husbands, you are to love your wives. Let's look at the text again. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her to make her holy, cleansing her with the washing of water by the word. He did this to present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or anything like that, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands are to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. Okay, husbands. It's our turn. Now. We know, based on verse 25, that we're supposed to love our wives as Christ w- loves the church. That's what the text says. And so the question we have to ask ourselves, gentlemen, in the room this morning, here's what we've got to ask ourselves. How did Christ love the church? How am I, based on how Christ loved the church, supposed to love my wife? And what does that look like practically? Let me give you three ways of how Christ loved the church. And by seeing this, I think it'll help all of us guys in the room know how we're supposed to love our wives the right way. Let me just give you a tip, guys. You're sitting here this morning, and you, a lot of you have your spouse next to you, okay? If you pick up a pen and a piece of paper and even act like you're taking notes right now, you're going to get some real good brownie points later, all right? And so use that connection card for your benefit right now. Start writing some things down, and then you'll be in a good spot later today. And if you decide not to, then you're going to be in trouble because the pastor just told you to, right? And so here it is. Let's get into them. three ways that I think that if we look at Christ loving the church, we can see how we're going to love our wives the proper way. First way, husbands are to love their wives sacrificially. Husbands are to love their wives sacrificially. Look back at the text. It says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself For her. Husbands, we are called to sacrifice our personal desires for our wife's desires every single day. And I know sometimes we try to act all tough and we say things like, I would die for my wife, right? I would take a bullet for my wife. And that sounds great, doesn't it? I mean, on paper, woman's like, yeah, that sounds really good. But with all due respect, that's a nice thing to say, but why don't you start by waking up every single morning and dying to yourself and serving your wife's needs? above your own. That's a good place for us gentlemen to start, isn't it? I mean, look at what it says in Philippians 2, chap- Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 to 5. It says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, nothing, right? But in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this in mind among yourselves, which is yours, in Christ Jesus. Husbands, we need to live selfless lives, and if I can be honest with you, I'm preaching to myself this morning, okay? If I can be honest, our day does not end when we come home from work, right? And I know that's a tough thing to hear. It's a tough thing for me to sit in this week as I was studying this text, but when we come home from work, if you're like me, I like to come home. I like to go to the fridge, get a nice cold uh, beverage, something to drink that's going to taste good because I'm tired. I'm going to sit down on the couch, Turn on the TV and see what's going on in the world, right? That's what I like to do when I come home from work. But let me tell you, that's not our role in this, guys. What we need to do is we come home from work, and the first thing your husband, or excuse me, your wife sees, is your smiling face, and you're looking back at her, and you're saying, How can I serve you tonight? What can I do to love you better tonight? How can I help take care of the dishes? What can I do to take care of the kids? How can I honor and how can I love you? This evening. And listen, that's going to make us be really tired. I'm going to tell you that. By the end of the day, your feet are probably going to hurt. Your legs are going to be tired. You may even, if you're like me, you might fall asleep on the couch after everybody's gone to bed. But if that's the case for you, let me tell you this. If that's the way your life is and that's the way your day finishes every day, you did a good job as a husband that day. Amen? You did a good job because you're exhausting from serving your family well. So we need to love our wives and we need to serve them sacrificially. Second thing we need to do is this. We need to love our wives unconditionally. We need to love our wives unconditionally. In Romans chapter 8, this is what we see written in verse 38. It says, For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor debt, nor anything else in all of creation, that's pretty significant, that's everything, will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Christian, married, not married, if you're a believer in here today, there is nothing that you can do that will make Jesus stop loving you. Right? Rest in that this morning. There is nothing you can do that will make Jesus stop loving you. Husbands, does your wife believe that about your love? Does your wife know that there is nothing she can do that will make you stop loving her? Does she know that no matter how many times you may fail him, you may mess things up in the house, she can still know that you will love her unconditionally. And so Christ, he loved the church unconditionally. And so we are to love our wives unconditionally. Third thing, husbands, we are to love our wives delicately. We are to love our wives delicately. Delicately. Getting back in Ephesians chapter 5, looking at the last two verses, here's what it says. It says, for no one ever hates his own flesh, but provides and cares for it. Right? Delicately. Just as Christ does for the church, since we are members of his body. Husbands, we are called to create, listen to this, create an environment in our homes where our wives feel safe, they feel protected, and they have the ability to grow Spiritually, that's the environment we want to create in the home. We are called to love, we are called to cherish, and we are called to honor our wives. And so we are called essentially to do this. We're called every single day to wake up, die to ourselves, die to our own desires, and we are called to submit, first of all, to Christ, but also to love our wives as Christ loved his church. Husbands, love your wives. Love your wives. Pretty clear. Husbands, love your wives. Third point this morning. Marriage is a picture of the gospel. This is beautiful. If you don't hear anything else I say today, I want you to get this. This is so key. Marriage is a picture of the gospel. Look at Ephesians' last three verses. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and will be joined to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. Familiar passage. Verse 32, this mystery is profound. Interesting language there. He uses the word mystery. This mystery is profound, but I'm talking about Christ in the church. To sum up, each one of you is to love his wife as himself, and the wife is to respect the husband. What Paul is saying here, what is Paul saying? Like, when you think about this, when you read that text, what is this mystery he's talking about? Why is it profound? Like What is Paul getting at in these verses? Well, to start, in the first century, the Jewish people, they didn't fully understand the purpose of marriage. And so here's what Paul is basically saying right here when he's writing this part of the letter. He's saying, you guys, you just don't understand what marriage is. He said marriage is not just about two people falling in love and hoping to live happily ever after. He saying marriage is way bigger than that. Marriage is a picture of the gospel. And he's saying there are high stakes to marriage. It's not just this hope that two people are going to fall in love and maybe it'll work out, right? He's saying there are high stakes when it comes to marriage. Church, marriage is a sacred covenant. And here's what I want you to see from the text. What God is saying is that in a marriage relationship, the woman is a picture of the church, right? And on the other side, the husband is a picture of Christ in his relationship with to his people that's the picture of the marriage marriage is supposed to be a perfect image of the gospel it's supposed to be god's grace his mercy and love on display for everyone in the world to see and so the question you have to ask yourself as a couple right now is simply this is your marriage does your marriage put the gospel on display for the world to see your marriage a demonstration of the gospel listen if you are married here today then your marriage is a platform for preaching the gospel and i know what some of you're thinking thinking pastor alan you know what man i'm just not a preacher right i don't get on stage in front of people i'm an introvert i'm a more behind the scenes type of person well, that may be true you may be introverted you may be behind the scenes but if you're married here's the reality You're preaching a sermon to a lost world every single day based on your relationship with your spouse. Every single day. And so the question is, what kind of sermon are you preaching? Are you preaching a good sermon? Are you preaching a bad one? Are you preaching a sermon that displays God's mercy and his love and his forgiveness and his grace? Are you preaching a sermon that's full of worldliness? That looks like what we see in our culture today. Church, I want you to understand what's at stake here. This isn't just a fairy tale that might work out. The purpose of marriage is for people in this lost world to see our relationship with our spouse and through that see a picture of Christ's relationship to his people. The purpose behind marriage is for people to see the love of Christ through your marriage. Listen, God wants people to see his compassion. He wants people to see his forgiveness, mercy, love, and grace through your marriage. And listen, I know is not easy. Marriage takes work. You may think like Amber and I always are on the same page and everything's happy and go lucky, but I told her right when she was in here, we get in arguments, right? It's not always hunky-dory, I think is what people say, right? It's not always good. It's hard sometimes, especially when you start throwing kids in the mix, amen? Parenting gets hard. Marriage gets hard from time to time, but can I be honest with you this morning? It's worth it. Isn't it? In the end of the day, it is absolutely worth it. And so this morning, here's what I want to do. Here's why I want to close our service. I want to say that if you're trying, if you came today and you're trying your best to have a great marriage, you want Christ to be the center of your marriage and everything that you do, then that is awesome. It's the best news ever. You're in the right place. You're hearing the right kind of message, right? But the truth of the matter is that's not going to happen until Christ is first at the center of your life. It's just what we talked about last week. You know, I constantly hear people say, they say things like, man, my spouse, they just complete me. Ever said that before? Like, my spouse completes me? The more I thought about that this week, it just kept popping in my head. I think I disagree with that. You know why? Because your spouse doesn't have the ability to complete you, right? Only Christ can complete you. Your husband, your wife. They compliment you, right? They come alongside you. They help you lead as you lovingly lead them. But if you're here today and maybe you expect your spouse to complete you, if you expect them to fulfill all the desires of your heart, can I be honest with you? You're setting them up for failure. Why? Because they're human. They're sinful individuals, right? They mess up all the time. I mess up all the time. But you know the good news? Christ never messes up. He never fails us, he never disappoints us. He always has the ability to satisfy our desires. He has the ability to complete you. And so if you're here this morning and you're not right with God, or maybe you don't know God at all, or maybe you've been putting these unrealistic expectations on your spouse this morning, then I'm going to give you an opportunity to get right with the Lord today. You see, in order for your marriage to work in its proper form, the husband and wife both need to be growing in their relationship with Jesus. And so here's what we're going to do. It might feel a little bit awkward, but husbands and wives, I want you to simply do this. I want you to hold hands right now, right? Maybe like, oh my gosh, how am I going to do this? I haven't done this in a long time. And you can move around the room if your spouse is somewhere else. You can go to them right now, right? Just go to your spouse. I want you to hold their hands. And I'm going to give you a couple minutes in just a moment to pray together. And that's how we're going to close. So I could easily get up here, say a prayer, dismiss, and we move on. But I want you to take some time right now to pray together. And, and I know some of you are thinking, you're like, man, I can't remember the last time I prayed with my wife outside of praying for dinner last night, right? I can't remember. Last. And so I want to help you, right? I want to help you steer you in the direction of how you pray. And so to start, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take time to ask God to be the center of your personal life first. That's where we have to start. It's like what we talked about last week. You've got to be filled by the Spirit first, and then relationships can happen. And so start with that. And then after that, I want each of you to ask Jesus to be the center of your marriage. Wives, here's what you can say. I want you to say, God, I want you to just pray to God to help you submit to your husband and to be the helper that he's called you to be. Husbands, I want you to ask God to help you lead your wife and lead your family well. Ask him to help you love your wife just as Christ love the church, and I recognize that some of you in here this morning, you're not married. Maybe you're here, and and you're single, and so this maybe feels a little awkward right now. I want to give you a response today, too, and your response is I want you to focus on your personal relationship with Christ. Ask Him to fill you with the Spirit right now. Ask Him to be the center of your life, and ask Him to show you areas where maybe you're struggling, maybe that need work, and take time to repent of any sin that is in your life. And if you're married to somebody right now, husband or wife, who maybe does not have a relationship with Jesus or they're far from God, then I want you to pray that the Lord will use you to help win them to Christ or bring them back to Jesus. And so Tim's going to play a light song behind us, and I just want you to take time with your spouse, I'll give you a minute or two, to just seek the Lord and pray together as a spouse. Go ahead.